Namaste and welcome back to another episode of The Sapient. Today we have yet another guest and she is pretty spectacular from what I have read of her bio and she has authored multiple books and she just seems to be an overall awesome person. So welcome Alexandra. Hello Ganesh, it's lovely to be here today. How are you? I'm doing awesome. How about you? Yes, good. It's uh, it's starting to feel autumnal here in Scotland. Just the last couple of days, mm-hmm. cold and windy. Mm-hmm. That's like majority of the year there, right? <laughs> it's always like cold and windy. Pretty much, pretty much. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I saw. I saw you not wanting to give your pride away. <laughs> Absolutely. We have um, we have had quite a lot of sunshine this summer, mm-hmm. I would like everyone to know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Perhaps more than our fair share. Mm-hmm. Got it. And because you are doing so many so many like different works or jobs or whatever you want to call it as, um because you have written three books as far as I know, and you have your own website, um, which also looks like fantastic by the way. How, uh, you know, like, how did you come about it? Like, what was the starting point? Yeah, thank you. Well, it's just been quite a journey over the last few years. So um, I'm based here in the UK. And I, for about 15 years, uh, I lived with my husband in London, and worked in our civil service, um, which, you know, supports Mm -hmm. the government of the day to, uh, to do all the things it needs to do. And I also worked in the charitable sector as a chief operating officer, so kind of running the charity. Um, so mm-hmm. I did all of that kind of work, but it it was good work, right? But it, it wasn't mm-hmm. my kind of life journey, if you like. And um, so I realized that I needed to make a shift. And this was all related to my personal journey. So... Mm-hmm. I will probably talk about this more later, but I had some complex life circumstances yeah. uh, to recover mm-hmm. from. And so in the last uh, couple of years, uh, I've moved with my husband up to Scotland and I've set up this new business called Damsel Not in Distress, which is all about mm-hmm. helping people on their path to peace and liberation and their higher purpose in life. Um, and that's also why I've um, I've written my book that I released recently called Reclaiming Christmas, uh, which kind of does what mm-hmm. it says in the tin. Uh, Christmas is meant to be this lovely, wonderful, happy season. For me, it had become very tainted over the years, but I found a way mm-hmm. through to the other side. So I, I wanted to write about that to help other people who might be facing similar issues. Mm-hmm. And what was like, that kind of point because you just said that you know there was that kind of question in your brain where you were like okay like what do I do um so what was your like the first question that you ask yourself in terms of when you started writing these books so I mean the, the turning point for me was I decided to follow a professional career because it seemed like the logical thing to do. Um, you know, everyone at school told me I was really bright and uh, the world was my oyster and I should go and do something really, really clever and great. And and I was capable of it. Like I, I did the work and, and I, I could achieve the things that, I, that were there to be achieved. But it wasn't bringing me happiness and it wasn't bringing me peace. And in fact, mm-hmm. the opposite, you know, it was over time, it was accumulating. I, I would say to myself, 
this next job that I've just got, this is the perfect job. This is the one that will make me happy. Mm -hmm. And then I would get to that job and I wasn't happy. And that happened several mm -hmm. times. Um, and my friends would tell you that each time I said, this is my perfect job, I've made it finally. And each time mm -hmm. I was wrong. So it, there was that. And then there was this whole um, situation with my father. So the, the sad truth of it is um, that I suffered from emotional abuse from him through my life. But mm -hmm. it has taken, it had all these impacts on me, but it's taken me a very, very long time to even understand that it was happening and then longer mm -hmm. still to kind of heal from it. And so because I was just so determined to share that with the world, because I think it's a topic we don't talk about very much. And I think a lot of people suffer in silence. So that was really my motivation for writing my book. Like here, I'm going to give you the full raw experience kind of as it happened so that hopefully mm -hmm. you can read it. And, and for the people for whom it resonates, it will give them hope that there is a way to the other side. And what was like, what was the initial um, kind of concept where you, you where you came up with this website that's damsel not in distress, sort of distressed? So, well, so I, I don't know um, if, if everyone around the world has has the same story. But I, I know this story from my childhood, where you have a princess in a tower. Uh, there, there are different mm -hmm. versions of this story. And uh, you often see her standing on a balcony, but she can't escape. She's being held in some way. And, and so we have this description, a damsel in distress. And very mm -hmm. often, generally in these stories, a prince comes along and rescues the princess and, and they all go and live mm -hmm. happily ever after. And I think for me, I wanted uh, this phrase, damsel not in distress. It's like, right, I'm not in distress. That I, so I can claim mm -hmm. that. But I didn't need to be rescued by a prince. And so there's a whole mm -hmm. story behind that. Like, you know, the healing journey has been mine and I've had helpers along the way. Um, I just think mm -hmm. it's, a, it's, it's a powerful name. Yes, that kind of makes you wonder what it's about. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, and it also like makes you like look into it, like what's it exactly. So in your bio, you also say that you're a life coach. And life coaches like usually like garner a, a lot of hate from people who are successful. Um, what's your kind of point of view of you know, like being a life coach or you no? Know, is it really necessary in our society? Interesting question. So I think um, I think it's quite hard to put a label on some of these things that, that we do. And so I've um, through my career, because I've been a leader in, mm -hmm. in a, a number of different environments, I have through my work in supporting and leading my teams, I've always been coaching and guiding and, you know, even veering into counselling at times, because for me, life and work are all one thing, right? So mm -hmm. if you're supporting a team member mm -hmm. at work, you really should be supporting them in their life uh, because it's it's all mm -hmm. interrelated. So uh, when I decided to make this change and set up Damsel Not in Distress, I was really keen to mm -hmm. have the credentials to do that so that people could trust me. So I've done um, mm -hmm. four different qualifications, actually, in, in coaching and in counselling. Um, some mm -hmm. of it was life coaching. Some of it was more health and wellness coaching. You know, mm -hmm. some people think it's all fluffy and there's nothing to it. Actually, yeah. I would say the things that we mm -hmm. can do to feel better in our lives are actually not rocket science. They're actually fairly straightforward things often. But the reason mm -hmm. it's hard is because life is tough. 
we don't have time. We've got challenges coming our way every day. And so we don't make time for the things that would help us to feel better. So a life coach's job is really just to help shine a light on those things and guide people on the way. Mm -hmm. Because I have seen like a lot of successful people, um, you know, shit on life coaches who are like life coaches are not, not, you know, like are not necessary and all these things. And sometimes, you know, like they say, like, you know, like life is something that happens to everybody. And if you are so successful of life, you would not teach it to anybody else. And I feel like that is like, like, like a misguided thing because, um, you know, like Joe Rogan said that the worst thing that you have faced is the worst thing that you have faced. It's like, um, you know, like people who have seen very hard time, you know, and those people who are who are very rich let's say and they did not eat one night and that's the hardest thing that they went through mm-hmm. right and here is let's say uh, economically like very harsh hardship where people are not eating on days together and that's the hardest thing that they face so do you think that life co life coaches or just like this i would like to call like mentoring or um, you know, what our elders used to do about 50 years ago in our society. Um, do you think like that is highly tailored and not like scripted? Absolutely. Right. I think life coaching can look different for different people. It, it, you meet the person where they need to be met and, and help them with what they uniquely need help with. And I think it's really, really interesting what you said there about successful people who can make it on their own. So I've definitely witnessed some so-called successful people who are so self-assured that they can they think they can just make it by themselves. But they have serious blind spots like and they don't know what they're Mm. doing to the people around them. And sometimes they're in leadership positions and they simply have Mm. no sense of the things that they don't understand about themselves. And Mm -hmm. one really interesting thing for me when I think about my father I've been reflecting about this actually just in the last couple of months. I think his biggest failing was that he wasn't willing to to seek help or to ask p- mm-hmm. advice from people. He just didn't do it with with anyone as far as I'm aware. And mm-hmm. so he relied on himself and that that was fine up to a point, but I think if we don't learn from other people and if we don't get broader perspectives and 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 broader mm-hmm. insights, I think we're just setting ourselves up for a fall, to be honest. So, you know, life coaching is, is about just supporting people in the way that will most benefit them. And, you know, yes, perhaps shining a light on some stuff that may be uncomfortable for that person, but we sometimes need to feel the mm-hmm. discomfort, right, to, to move forward into a, into a better future. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you just pissed off like 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 a bunch of woke people when you said we need discomfort. <laughs> they be like, "How dare you!" <laughs> like in um, you know, in in Greta Thunberg's voice, like, "How dare you!" Um, <laughs> like, what do you think about this? Like, honestly, like decay of morals in society, where um, you know, the biggest thing that we see today is people are not teaching their younger generations about consequences of action. Mm, yeah, it, it, it is it is hard, isn't it? I mean, I think, um, there, look, there's a balance in all of these things. And, and I think you have, you know, you have rights as a person and you have responsibilities as a person. And 
you know whatever mm-hmm. you do absolutely has consequences and and i think mm-hmm. um it's it, it, it's too easy to just decide that the way you're going to make sense of the world is to say everything is good fundamentally and you know we will all just fundamentally be good i, I have to say <laughs> my view is a little bit i would say more realistic than that in the sense that mm-hmm. we all have good and bad in us we all have you know the good tendencies and the bad tendencies and if we don't if we don't shine again shining a light if we don't understand mm-hmm. what our shadow looks like what our darker side looks like then we can do all manner of things and have no idea what we're doing or mm-hmm. we might see what we're doing but we just don't want to talk about it because it's too hard and i, yeah. I do think that's where my father was i i, I there were times i tried mm-hmm. to open up the conversation about what was happening and there was nothing coming out like it was sort of like mm-hmm. we are closing this door um and, and i think it's such a shame because the only way to get to a better place is to is to go through Mm -hmm. it is to go through the conversation or through the process in in whatever way we can yes i think because i I was just seeing other day like there was a child in a mall and he was just destroying stuff Mm. and the both parents were just standing there and saying no no stop it and me being an indian and you know coming from a very cultured like household i couldn't even imagine that even at this age <laughs> you know i'm 20, 26 right now and i'm completely like independent you know uh i have career and everything and even till today i could not imagine doing that like just walking up to a mall and just start um you know let's say just destroying chips packets or mm-hmm. you know like that is not something that my society never allowed me to do because if i did that forget that even if i attempted to do that <laughs> yeah like i would see hell pretty fast and i feel like you know like that's kind of like very instilled belief that has been put in me as a person like you have to follow these particular rules because it's not about you mm. and that was the biggest lesson that i have learned from my childhood that it's not about you um you know if your parents say you know like be respectful to your elders and they they don't they're not like you know because he's elder than you you know you have to be respectful they're just like you are a kid you not understand you'll get angry very soon and you know like you will start abusing that person so you better be respectful right like it's that simple so do you think like in today's world we have got so much like self-centered where it's like me 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 rather than just society or just like looking at even even just our life as a whole where we are just going through this experience meeting as many people as possible so, oh, there's so much to unpack there so i i am not a kind of child psychologist expert so just to, to put that caveat on and mm-hmm. i also don't have kids of my own but i have lots of friends who have children and i can definitely see that there is such a balancing act in bringing up kids and sometimes a child will be acting out because something is going on for them. And so, you know, simply just meeting them with with discipline, harsh or otherwise, might not fix it if there is a broader issue at play, if there is something that's just bothering them. Um, I think the other really fascinating thing is, you know, kids at a younger age, they don't actually have empathy. Until they get to a certain age, 
kid, that's just not something a child has. So trying to um, appeal to their sense of, well, how will the other person feel? It's just it's just not going to work in, in the same way. So yeah. there's a lot of complex stuff at play. Um, I do think one of the biggest gifts I got from my childhood was discipline in the sense of yeah. I can be disciplined to get on with what I need to do, even if I don't particularly enjoy it. So setting up my business, mm-hmm. this, most of it I love, but there are aspects of it I've absolutely hated. And I, I can <laughs> see why a lot of people fail, actually, why they just fall away, because it is really hard when you're starting out and mm-hmm. you don't have a lot of you know money necessarily to just fling at the problem yeah. and get other people to fix it. So you have to do it yourself and so many different things. Mm -hmm. So I do think it's a complex balancing act. I would definitely say that there is a kind of self-centered issue that we have and uh, just Mm -hmm. generally, and with the challenges that humanity faces, all the big things, climate change, the other things that are coming down the road, the only way we're going to make it through is if we can see things as a community, as, as, as a Mm -hmm. broader group. And I, my experience is community is easier on a smaller scale. Like when you know the people and you trust them, you really trust them. Community is much easier. Community on a big scale, which is what, you know, we're also going to need. That is tougher because building up mm-hmm. trust and empathy and connection is 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 mm-hmm. difficult sometimes. Yeah. Um, I, I brought up this point because of, because you use a term called a child psychologist <laughs> yeah. and I have read psychology to an extent and I, I understand psychologist, psychologists and psychology as well because I have I have like people who I know who are psychologists and you know I have talked to them about this in a great length. So like I really don't think that you know like child you, do, you need to be like, like a child psychologist to be like fluent with children. Um, because psychology has presented this kind of like very weird point of views about world. Um, like, you know, like the biggest thing that I can think of is like, you know, introvert and extroverts, right? Mm-hmm. And people who say I am, I am an extrovert. I'm, I'm like, no, you're not because I'm pretty sure, um, like, have you seen like a big brother? australia uh the tv series yeah, right yes i've seen our version yeah. of it yeah so yeah i was like you know okay if if you're an extrovert go live in that house and see how many days will you be will you stay extrovert before you crave privacy yeah right yeah or or if you're an introvert um you know just stay in your home never come out never talk to people and especially do not use instagram or you know any social media to have any touch points with the real society and Let's see how many days do you last until you crave, you know, that you know, the touch of, you know, humanity or humans, right? Mm. So that's like the simplest thing. And, you know, like I have seen psychologists who say that, you know, extrovert does not mean he's extrovert always. It's just the majority of their characteristics are um, extrovert. And I'm like, yeah, but it's just saying like, you know, I'm a non-vegetarian, um, you know, because, okay, if you're non-vegetarian, like, if let's say there was a very clear indication of this is vegetarian, this is non-vegetarian, you would say the non-vegetarian is not going to consume anything that a vegetarian is going to consume. Right? Because that's a basic division because when you say, okay, you are a non-vegetarian, that means you eat meat that a vegetarian cannot eat. Right? So there is a very clear, like clear cut line in between that. 
so do you think that somewhere us like thinking that we are sophisticated and we know humans very well has also like caused like many problems in today's world oh absolutely i think as human beings we think we understand ourselves far better than we actually do so my biggest example would be that we love to think that we're rational and that we make all mm-hmm. our decisions on logic no we make our decisions based on our emotions and our emotions can take us all over the place just to go to your introvert yeah. extrovert point um it absolutely is on a spectrum uh, all of these mm-hmm. characteristics are on a spectrum so i love the some of the different personality tests that i did at work again it's all about team building like how are we the same and how are we different and how can we interact and i come out strongly introverted and genuinely mm-hmm. ganesh i can sit in my room for days i did it in the pandemic and mm-hmm. i was quite happy i have to be honest i did not find that a distressing experience but i'd be lying if i said that i didn't need human connection um and yeah. but i just it takes very little to overwhelm me you know a big party mm-hmm. i can deal with it for about an hour and then and then i'm out of there um so i'm quite strongly introvert but take another type of characteristic thinking versus feeling so how do you kind of mm-hmm. make your decisions is it thinking or is it feeling i am right in the middle really borderline mm-hmm. and it very much depends what the decision is what the prevailing factors are all sorts of different things come in the mix so i might for example be a bit more logical when i'm in the office as a mm-hmm. civil servant and a bit more feeling when i'm at home and it's like a family decision but sometimes the, the boundaries can be very blurred yeah i think i think like because today's psychologists and i'm not like talking about well established psychologists i'm just talking about half cook as like um, i'm smart kind of psychologists that are out there um you know like they have brought this kind of set of challenges that's like e- even a person without psychology can you know smell bullshit he would say like yeah just shut the fuck up you know like um because um you know like pe- because here is what i have understood from psychology like psychologists for ever have tried to create boxes or molds that they can fit people in and i'm like yeah that does not work um because you know each each and every person is like going through his or her own evolution process every day where they are facing their own sort of challenges and you know like um trials and tribulations and like how do you think is like the best way for a person to like develop his personality in terms of breaking that mold let's say like breaking that psychological mold that it's out there so what would be like your suggestion on that yeah wow um so i i'm i'm going to start by just saying that i mm-hmm. am hugely um hugely supportive of and inspired by science right so the fact that humanity has managed to understand as much as we have to to explain things to have both observational understanding but also put theories together and then test those theories if we didn't have that we would be lost so we have a framework of understanding and that is amazing so i i did a doctorate in applied maths and and actually when i was a kid i was so drawn to maths as a topic because there was one you know there was a right answer and i wasn't going to have a debate with somebody about it there was a right answer and if i had it i could alexandra i think 
I think you're becoming too controversial by saying math has one answer. Well, the problem at hand has a right answer. Yeah. So no, no, Um, because it was recently proved that two plus two equals four is inherently racist. And um, I'm trying to like control my laughter, but you know, like the perception of thinking that two plus two equals four is inherently racist because it it assumes that everything works on a principle. Oh, you'd have to you'd have to give me a bit more on that one. What what's the what's more of the background to that? Yeah, so they are saying math is racist, <clears throat> um, and you know, like math has. Um, if I remember correct, yeah, they said math has white supremacy written all over it because the, it says two plus two equals four. It cannot be five or six or three. And a um, lot of woke people are trying to prove that two plus two equals five or two plus two equals three because they they think that, um, you know, we should not tell children what to think about the world by showing them two plus two equals four. Interesting. I mean, I, 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 I'm not quite sure how to reply to that. I, I, so I can't see the racist link. I have to say, I can, I can see how people might be like, oh, you're just telling people that this is the only way. But the racist bit, I'm slightly struggling to see. But So they, they are saying that you telling people like 2 plus 2 equals 4, like that itself is like, um, you know, like uh, white supremacist like kind of thing where you have uh, um, advantage like you are in a higher position um, because you're telling people 2 plus 2 equals 4 well I remember back when I was at school because I was really good at maths um, I was asked to teach the class that was just about to take their big exams and I'll never forget so many mm-hmm. of them said to me but why is this the answer and I realized that I would be mm-hmm. a really awful maths teacher because my answer was just because it is it's just this is a logical mm-hmm. framework and this is the answer I, I don't know how to explain it in any other way but it is interesting because um I think if you have that logical brain where maths makes sense then it it, it mm-hmm. you just see it like it's just in front of you and it's just it just makes sense but yeah. but I would say but- that Mm-hmm. Ma- where I was going with that was that maths and science etc they're not the whole story right they are really important tools and I would argue without them we would be totally stuffed as a race I mean we wouldn't we wouldn't have anything yeah. and any ability to do things but it doesn't answer everything and so coming back to kind of psychological theories for example or really any theory it takes you a certain way, but then you have to figure out how to apply it. And you also, like you say, every human being is unique. And I found, for example, there were some healing techniques which have been proven to work, like scientifically proven to work for given situations, and they didn't work with me. And it wasn't mm-hmm. because I didn't want them to work. I mean, I would have taken anything, right? Mm-hmm. I would have, you know, there was there was a particular technique for curing phobias, and it, it just didn't cure my phobia. And I remember mm-hmm. just thinking to myself, it, this is a bit more complicated, right? It, it obviously works enough of the time that that scientifically mm-hmm. it shows up as something that works, but that doesn't mean it's going to work yeah. for everyone. So life is complicated. Mm-hmm. Got it. And just getting back on the math curveball that I just threw, <laughs> or if you are aware of like cricket, let's say bouncer that I just threw. <laughs> um, yeah, so according to torontosun.com, uh, radical teachers claim that saying 2 plus 2 e- equals 4 is white supremacy. 
and their reasoning was saying 2 plus 2 equals 4 is an example of covert white supremacy according to a group of influential math teachers in ontario ontario sorry or whatever it is i'm questioning them on their assertion simply means you are anti-trans and anti-immigrant person who does not like anyone who is not white interesting i mean i would say that a load of different people might want to say that two plus two does, doesn't equal four, not necessarily from a particular group. So uh, I, I did have someone debate with me why two plus two had to equal four. And and again, I en- ended up coming back to that it just is in this paradigm. It just is. Um, I couldn't I couldn't really get any further. But <clears throat> Alexandra, I think I'm trying to make you a politician by the end of this episode <laughs> where you are highly opinionated. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, I think that's what I'm trying to do here. Oh, I don't, um, I don't think there's any because... chance of me becoming a politician. I have to say, you never know. You never know. True, true. Never say never. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Boris Johnson became prime minister. He did. Uh, there are yeah. yeah. Politics is a it's an exciting game. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Joe Biden became a president. Like Donald Trump became a president. So, yeah, never say never. <laughs> yeah. Who knows? Like, in the next time I'm going to have you here, you'll be like, yeah, I'm with the Labour Party. And, you know, this is our uh, uh, manifesto before the elections. I will definitely give you the heads up if that looks like it's going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways, you are next. Like, the book that I wanted to talk about is Reclaim Your Christmas. Mm-hmm. It sounds so anti, like, uh, anti-Christ or uh, that's what, like, a um, lot of people like call it as, like, an- anti-Christ or anti-Christian. What, what the book or, or the, the topic? The title itself. Oh, the title itself. Uh, so I meant it more as in reclaiming the joy of something that had been sullied by stuff that had happened that that was more that was more what I meant I know what you mean though sometimes I think that phrase can be used by some Christians who want to say that Christmas is, <laughs> is all about the Christian side and not about and not about just yeah. going out and you know eating turkey or giving ourselves loads of presents or whatever else so yeah I think it is used in that context as well <laughs> yeah I think I'm just trying to make you controversial by this point <laughs> um, uh, I would not be surprised if tomorrow like bbc would report alexandra walker with her anti-christ anti-christian book <laughs> called as reclaim your christmas i would i would hope not i i so i'm christian right so this is why in a way this is why yeah. christmas matters to me but i also just to say i i also recognize you know there are loads of other um festivals in other religions and other other faiths and and i make this point at the beginning of the book it the reason I focus on Christmas is because that's what I celebrate. Um, but it's really mm-hmm. about any time of year which is meant to be special, and particularly, I think, a time of year where you're meant to be with family and c- celebrating something. And that can become very complicated for different reasons, whether it's grief if you've lost someone that you love or if you have a difficult family relationship which just gets poked at because you're together at mm-hmm. that time. You know, there can be different yeah. reasons why these... Uh, times of celebration can actually be quite tricky for people mm-hmm. yeah and also that creepy uncle shows up yeah. and you're like oh no <laughs> and if you are speaking to hindus like you'd have to talk talk to us like for 50 days in a year because 
those many um you know celeb- uh, celebrations and festivals is what we have over here yes absolutely yes yeah, so... and yeah we are under constant pressure yeah it can t- it really can turn into a pressure can't it and and um i think for me what happened because i had this this situation with emotional abuse from my father basically christmas was like a flashpoint and it was really weird because my mother loved christmas like she was your ultimate fan of christmas she would spend all year planning for it like if she saw a nice present in the shops in january she would mm-hmm. buy it and save mm-hmm. it up for christmas like you know she was always doing that and it was mm-hmm. really lovely what she, she just wanted to create i think a sanctuary at that time of year it was you know it's it can be it can feel a bit magical it can feel like you know a time of year mm-hmm. where fun stuff can happen and it's not as dreary as some of the rest of the year but for some reason so my father could always become argumentative and difficult um but it always happened just before christmas maybe like the 21st of december or the 22nd of december he would just go into a terrible mood and i mean a terrible mood it was like, so i describe it in the book as a thundercloud so it was like this thundercloud just suddenly appeared and sat over the house and i was an only child my mother and i had to just try and deal with it um and you know we tried our best and we got through it and inevitably by christmas day we'd kind of got there and he was in a better mood again and we celebrated christmas and and i do remember some nicer things the trouble is because that happened every year and then there were some particularly bad examples um i just have this fear about christmas right i just i you know you just when something happens regularly every year you just have a tension when that time of year comes around and i found it was hard i got to the point where i couldn't celebrate christmas at all so 2 years ago my husband and i just didn't didn't participate and then last year i said right enough's enough i'm taking it back i'm reclaiming it i'm just going to make a really intentional effort to look at the the ghosts of the past and decide that they are in the past and heal myself and be able to enjoy it again so that's that's what it's all about it spoiler alert the book has a happy ending and i think people need to know this because there are some you know more difficult stuff in the book um but it does have a happy ending that's that's a that's like a pretty good story that you just gave us um yeah that is kind of like a unique perspective that you're bringing like you know like because you know like if you look at like many people talking about christmas or thanksgiving or halloween or whatever the hell they are celebrating um you know they're like this is going to be like bad and especially in western countries where you know like sons and daughters are not really close with them parents all the you know throughout the year and they meet up in that particular day and you know they carry all the frustration throughout the and of the whole year on that one particular day mm-hmm. and that becomes like a ticking bomb you know it it's all about who is going to burst first yeah absolutely and I, and i think it can really illustrate what the problems in a close relationship are and uh, you know my take on it would be if you know there's a problem there so well, what are you what are you doing about it because uh, you know you can just try to survive something like christmas and i i you know i've done it mm-hmm. myself and i know people who just say mm-hmm. i just need to get through the day and sometimes mm-hmm. that may be the only rational thing to do maybe it isn't possible to fix that relationship maybe you know maybe it's just mm-hmm. too complicated 
But you are right, the risks are high because, mm-hmm. you know, there's a lot of pent up stuff. Plus, there is just this expectation that we're all meant to be happy and, you know, joyous and yeah. everything else. And I think that expectation by itself can create a whole load of problems as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because I was having this, like, just like banter with a person. And um, because, like, he was also, like, into a little bit, like, human behavior and you know like we were like we are just crazy people um essentially and we were just talking about it and he said you know like the only way that you can make make an make a sad person angry is by asking why you're not happy <clears throat> why are you not happy <laughs> and the more the more times you're going to ask the the anger is going to come out so yeah like do you think like because you have gone through this particular thing in your life and also you have written a book, by the way, which is not an antichrist, guys, like just go read it. Um, it's not about, it's not about religion. Please go read it. Um, but do you think like, you know, like we are so connected today in today's world, like I could send you hundred messages in a day and you could send me like a million messages in a day that oftentimes we are not talking about the important things in life. So true, so true. I I have no time for small talk. I cannot be bothered with it. It just I don't know why people do it. I, so it's really interesting because for a lot of people, it's obviously the way they like to connect, and and a lot of our social media is is kind of set up in that way as well. Um, I think we would benefit from having more deeper conversations about things. So one of the things I talk about in the book, which was probably the bit I. I paused about whether to include it, but I decided to. So my my sense is we have these different parts of what makes us human. It, we've got our minds, we've got our emotions, we've clearly got bodies, and we've got our spirit, our spiritual side. And the spiritual side was the bit where I was really unsure about writing the book. But what I, I shared a bit of my story. So I'm an active Christian, um, but my beliefs have evolved over time. And I described that a bit in the book. And I was really clear to say, I am not trying to convert anyone to my faith or my way of thinking that that's not what I'm trying to do. But what I do think matters is that we all talk more about what we believe and why. And we chat to to each other. We chat to people we trust about what we believe, because I just see a lot of people who don't, who don't ever talk about it. Belief. I don't know. I don't know whether this is the same, you know, in different parts of the world, it probably isn't. But where I am in the UK, we don't really talk about faith. It's 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 a bit of a dangerous subject to get onto. You know, you don't want to offend anyone and, you know, you know, rock the boat or anything like that. Whereas I actually think we would all benefit from talking about it a bit more and 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 just being exposed to some different ideas uh, from different people and then and then being as solid as we can be in what we believe about the world. Because you know what? the way I respond to a difficult situation will be absolutely guided by what I believe about the world. Why are we here? What's going on, uh, you know, on a big scale? Um, And, you know, how we respond to the difficult stuff is absolutely shaped by what we believe. Sorry. I I, am, I have a brain of like a chipmunk. I was talking while I was on mute. Um, <laughs> easy done, yeah. easy done. Yeah. Um, because you brought this dangerous topic of religion into this conversation. <laughs> um, 
yeah do you think like religion is really necessary for people to survive no i don't i i mean there are clearly a whole load of people who who go through life quite happily without a religion um i just but you know belief can come in different forms belief can come being atheist belief can be you know being agnostic just genuinely saying i'm not sure that is my answer to this question i i, I think what we as human beings can't get away from is how did we get here how did this universe this world get here what you know what is the big answer to, to that question I, I don't think um yeah you can live a lot of life without going near that question if you want to but I do think that when the difficult stuff comes along and whatever that difficult stuff looks like for each person, it is inevitably going to come. That's when this whole question about belief becomes more important, I think, because because your mm -hmm. very core is being attacked in some way, you know, whether it's because you've lost someone that you loved or because it's you, you've lost your job that you thought was going to be forever or whatever it is, whatever really difficult thing comes along. Um, it, it raises these questions um, that are very that are very hard to deal with if you've never thought about what you believe before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know who said this. They said that you know you know the only difference between atheist and like a person who really is religious. It's just that they like cars, but they just like different models. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> one way of looking at it. I mean, yeah, it's... yeah, because they're like you know I don't like like food. I like like. I don't know, like Toyota. And that's like the only difference between a religious person and atheist because everybody understands and has this concept of super beings where we are like, I understand, you know, like how freaking fragile is human being. And mm. yeah, that's, I don't know who said that. Um, yeah, but I thought that was a great analogy for what we're talking about. Yeah. And, you know, you know, some people describe religion as a crutch. It's like, oh, it's just a crutch that you lean on. And, you know, people who need religion are weaker than people who don't. I've, I've heard that be said. Uh, for me, it goes beyond that. I mean, I, you know, I'm a Christian and I, I believe in, in the Christian God. And however, the next caveat I would put, put on it is that I, by definition, I can't know if I'm right or not. None of us can know if we're right or not or what right even looks like or, you know, this is, you know, this gets into the realm of of the unanswerable. Um, mm -hmm. But as I say, I just I just think it's hard for human beings to get away from from that. And, and I think we would benefit from being willing to have open but respectful conversations. And I've seen it where it works really, really well. And um, people can learn a lot and grow a lot. If you just are very closed and, you know, not wanting to talk about it, then I, it, that can have its downsides. Mm -hmm. Got it. Um, anyways, flying away from religion because that's a landmine that I don't want to step in um, because I want to live. <laughs> um, anyways, so let's just talk about, I don't know, countries and just like people just living in this tribals, like tribes and having this tribalist mentality. Um, what I'm really trying to get at it is... I am inadvertently stepping into the religion realm again um, because there seems to be a particular like point in in a, in a spectrum where you become a great religious person and if you lean into it or away from it 
you kind of start being becoming an asshole you know <laughs> um because those people who say this anti christ are like the most like, cringe people because if god created everything like what is anti christ right like it's that simple but if you lean away from it who say nothing exists only we exist um that also becomes like a dumb point where do you stand in this particular spectrum oh my goodness well that having said you were going to move away from religion can i tell you just like walked right into it um <laughs> yeah look i how am i going to answer that fundamentally i believe that god exists and the only real rule that i believe in is god said to love him and to love each other uh, that that is the that is the fundamental basis and you could say oh that's very wishy washy alexandra um well is it though because when you actually unpack what it means to love each other I mean, you just talked about tribes loving each other means mm-hmm. love everyone right and um mm-hmm. you know try to try to try to live well and then if you unpack that further what does that mean you know that's that's where it all gets really complicated and we can really be confronted mm-hmm. by you know our selfishness our greed or whatever else it is that that we have issues with um so mm-hmm. yeah it's it's you know the way i see things it's easy but it's also incredibly hard and it's it's a whole lifetime of learning what that means and how to mm-hmm. how to live that way um you know and i come back to the example of my father i I was his only child. I was his only living relative mm-hmm. actually for uh, my mother died nearly 10 years ago and mm-hmm. she you know she was taken sooner than we would have wished. Even though I found him basically impossible, I stuck around with him. My husband and I stuck around with him for so long even though it was really hard because we just said to each other, you know, we're the only people he has in the world. We're going to stick around and we're going to make the best of it. Mhm. Unfortunately things came to a point where that wasn't possible anymore and it was all linked to he he was an alcoholic and he always had problems with alcohol um but they got worse and uh, eventually last year a line was crossed and he he and I became estranged and that was that was really hard mm-hmm. because that was an example of it's not that I didn't love him anymore in the sense that he was my father and I you know I knew him better than almost anyone else on on the planet but sometimes you have to look after yourself and sometimes looking after yourself mm-hmm. means saying no i can't i you know i cannot be completely selfless anymore because if i do that i will cease to exist properly as a human being yeah. so these things all i'm trying to say is these things are really complicated uh, when you get down into the mm-hmm. guts of what does it mean to love god and to love other people mhm got it and alexandra i'm seeing like you're doing a lot of heavy lifting <laughs> i want to like give you a break um so on your um, you know instagram you say that you're also a musician so what kind of music do you like like do you like metallic you know heavy metal no uh what <laughs> so uh, my love of music goes way back i when i was at school i loved to sing and play the piano um what i really love to do is to compose and when i was at school i wrote different songs particularly christmas carols actually to come back to the christmas theme um because you know it's a natural uh, thing that we do at christmas time we sing so i did that 
Um, and then when I was at university, it's quite a funny story. I, w- I, was, I was part of a Christian group um, called the Christian <laughs> Music and Drama Society. And we put on a show every year. And mm-hmm. we were sitting there at the end of the year saying, what are we going to do next year? What's our big thing going to be? Mm-hmm. And I suddenly found myself opening my stupid mouth and saying, how about mm-hmm. I write a musical over the summer holidays and then we can put it on? Mm-hmm. And they all said, mm-hmm. yeah, that would be great. That's amazing. Um, I had no idea what the musical was going to be about, mm-hmm. how I was going to write it, when I was going to write it. Um, it happened and it was mm-hmm. quite it was quite a fine, um, a fine deadline, shall we say, because I had a really busy summer. I was doing all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. I wrote the musical, the guts of it, in 10 days. It was the most incredible creative experience of my life. It just, it came out. Uh, and I, I mm-hmm. every day I would come back to my piano and I would play the songs and I would scribble them down on the manuscript and everything. So that was that was a fun experience, I have to say. Mm. Got it. Um, I'm sorry I laughed in the middle because I'm not laughing at Christians or anything. Um, and yeah, I don't give a fuck even if I laugh, I laugh at that. I was just thinking about you saying, you know, like I was, I was this in Christian band and all of a sudden one day I became a trap rapper. And <laughs> Not quite, but yeah. <laughs> I, yeah, I was almost expecting that. I was like, yeah, she's going to say I, I became, I became like a heavy, heavy metal person, um, you know, and I, I moved, moved away from UK because it was not a very fostering environment for me. <laughs> yeah but what type of music do you like like classical music or just like um you know like rap songs or r&b like what do you like oh you're gonna draw it out of me so i do love classical music and obviously that's a Mm -hmm. massive genre so i like some more than others um i i do love the romantic period um so i played greek's piano concerto at university and that that kind of romantic classical music my other love and this is where I will probably get people booing me I don't know or some people will love it some people hate it I love country music not all country music again it's quite a broad uh, a broad realm but I do there's something about it there's something about the storytelling in country music and I just mm-hmm. do love a good banjo it turns out mm-hmm. so you like American country music I do so yeah that's pretty open-ended. <laughs> Anyways, I, I, I also love country music. And I'm all the way over here in India. So, when it, when it, when, when, you know, because here we have like a lot of folk songs. Mm-hmm. You know, and when I tell people like, have you heard of country songs? Like, it's a genre. And they're like, yeah, I know folk songs. I'm like, yeah, that's not what country music is. Um, yeah, because... I think classical music and country music are the, I think one of the, like two of the most opinionated musics, either you hate it or you absolutely love it. Yeah, I, I was, I was quite afraid to tell people I liked country music because I would get laughed at. Um, I own a, I own a mm-hmm. cowboy hat or maybe a cowgirl hat, I don't know, but I own one anyway. Mm-hmm. The other thing that I love, and it's, it's wonderful when it happens. So in, in Scotland, we have Gaelic music, you know, the traditional music, yes. and you can sometimes yes. get the fusion of American country mm-hmm. and Scottish traditional music and it is and indeed Irish traditional music as well and that is beautiful there's mm-hmm. something called the transatlantic sessions and it is amazing bringing those people together mm-hmm. and just getting them to jam yeah. it's 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 a wonderful thing to listen to yeah imagine 
imagine like the same people who hated each other 250 or 300 years ago are playing to are playing music together <laughs> i mean that to speak volume by itself yeah yeah indeed yeah um yeah because i like like this rap scene that's happening in like united kingdom right now or britain mm mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like have you ever even like heard of those songs not not really i've got to be honest i think everyone has music that they love more and and you know everyone has their mm-hmm. own taste right i think i think mm-hmm. one of the things that i um have come to realize is how important creativity is generally for mm-hmm. healing so actually one of the foundational yeah. values of my business is creativity and it it can be different mm-hmm. things for different people um whatever mm-hmm. it is that helps you explore understand yourself you know work mm-hmm. through things i think creativity of all kinds yeah. is amazing that being said guys like to my audience this is my opinion i think artists who are not like rappers like are too like way too weak in creativity because it does not take a lot of creativity to write like a Miley Cyrus or a Taylor Swift song hum <laughs> you know it does not have a lot of wordplay in it and it does not have any complicated vocabulary involved um but said being said that if you look at like rap um it takes lot of lot of IQ let's say like lot of intelligence to write those things and i know you must be laughing you must be saying you know like it's all about bitches and fuck and all these all these things right um but i urge you to just look at word plays because that's a very big thing in rap like you know like they use one word to mean two other things or three other things sometimes and that does not simply exist in any other form of music you know you're absolutely right about creativity and i i, I mean to go back to what i know to go back to country music there mm-hmm. are so many songs that just one mm-hmm. after another they come on the radio and you're like that's the same as that yeah. that's the same as that they're basically and me with my musical mind i'm like it's exactly the same chord progression there's no imagination mm-hmm. you know it's just the same old thing yeah. but you know it when you hear something that is is inspired in some way and mm-hmm. you, you just know yeah. it when you when you hear it and i as someone who composes music i think i know it when it happens when i'm writing something you know i've written a range of songs and i would generally say i like them all but there are definitely some which have something more in them than others got it um i urge you to look look at like rap battles especially where they are like imp- not like um written like anything that comes as rap battle on tv you look at it's like it's pretty much written like before that like you know of course they at least have some kind of idea like where they are going because if i had to talk about alexandra because i know alexandra right because i know okay she is going to come on the show and talk up you know like she is going to be against me i have that time to prepare right um but if you look if you go to youtube and just look at rap battles in on streets that is just random people like uh, you know dissing each other uh is just insulting each other you know and you look at the wordplay and the kind of um readiness that people are like you know they they'll just look at you and they will say uh, in 100 different things that you did not think about yourself and i think like that's like the epitome of creativity unfortunately <laughs> that's what i think 
um because you are writing writing a three paragraph song in like freaking 50 days is not really creative it's just it's just thought process um but you know like being on the spot and you know coming up with something is like the true test of creativity Uh, well, I'm going to take. What's your opinion on this? I'm going to take that away as my homework. Uh, but absolutely, I'll go and listen. Um, yeah, I mean, definitely, being creative on the spot is is huge. And if you, I mean, I think my counter to that would be sometimes when people are just jamming in the moment, it can it can descend into mm-hmm. being less interesting because you just go back to what you know. Because if you're having to create instantaneously, mm-hmm. you might just mm-hmm. revert back to what you're comfortable with. If you've got a bit more time. Mm-hmm. you can explore some new things you know you can test some boundaries out so look it it can work in different ways but no i've definitely got some homework to take away from this conversation yeah <laughs> yes alexandra definitely please just look at it i i i think you'll hate it because <laughs> <laughs> you might not like it um but i want you to like really look into the play of words and the kind of like bars or just lines that they put in out there and very instantly like that's very really pretty hard so do you like jazz i do i do like jazz i probably don't listen to it as often mm-hmm. as as i might do but yes it's it's a fun genre mm-hmm. yeah i think you are you're in the minority right now because you like classical country and jazz <laughs> i mean yeah it's like pretty uh, outrageous um combo of music <laughs> that is country music uh, jazz and um of course classical music so the reason i brought up that is you know like there are absolutely like weird genres of music like are you aware of any weird genres in music oh interesting question um to some extent i but i do tend to kind of stick to the things i know i love i should probably go and you know try more things out right i, I it's um mm-hmm. yeah but yeah you can you can i mean you can find anything i think it's i think it's particularly fun when people explore different instruments because we're so used to like the core instruments that are always used in pop music and mm-hmm. i i just think it's it's probably one of the reasons i like country music because there are different instruments and and maybe a bit more variety as well that you get um in different mm-hmm. songs so yeah i think that's always good yeah and i also think like you know like music is like one thing that's not political right now i mean of course there are there are artists who are polit- you know mm-hmm. like who are into politics and you know all these things but music itself is not like political or it does not stand for anything right it does not stand for peace war violence or whatever it is it's just like you know music is music music is a tool um, music's a creative tool you can you can use it to any end really i mean mm-hmm. yeah there are definitely artists who have landed up in political messes um because because mm-hmm. they've decided to make a stand on something um mm-hmm. but i mean music is music is a tool like so many other things and you can use it for mm-hmm. good you can use it for ill you can use it well you can use it badly it's so yeah it's um i think coming back full circle to the whole life coach thing that's what it's about what are the tools at your disposal and how are you going to use them and how how is that going to how is that going to benefit you got it um so just moving on like which city do you live in currently so uh, we now live on the northwest coast of scotland so um 
north of Edinburgh, if you've heard of Edinburgh, um, way yeah. up in the north. It's basically near the Isle of Skye, which is quite famous. Um, so that's that's where we are. I can I can see the sea from my window. Mm -hmm. Alexandra, I need to remind you, I'm an Indian. Um, so we are very much aware of um, the Great Britain, very much, you know, like <laughs> the cities that you just mentioned and all these things. Yeah. Like, how is, like, you are part of country you know like different than let's say london so so london so well so london and england are kind of the south part of of the island yeah. and then scotland's at the top yeah. i mean scotland's just got a lot of countryside it's got a lot of mountains um the re so my husband and i actually met at st andrews university which is in scotland and we then moved to London to pursue our careers. But I then decided that I loved hill walking and Scotland has all these hills mm -hmm. and it has hills called the Monroes, which are all the hills above 3000 feet in height, which is nothing compared mm -hmm. to like the Himalayas and all the really massive ranges. But anyway, yeah. there are hills and there are 282 of them. And mm -hmm. there is a, a game you can play or a pursuit you can follow to try to climb all of them. So I then suddenly said to mm -hmm. my lovely dear husband, I want to climb all the Monroes, <laughs> but we live in London. So it was 500 miles to even get to where these hills were, let alone to then climb mm -hmm. them. But we did it because I'm quite persistent when I decide that I want to do something. So, but then we just mm -hmm. suddenly decided, yeah. why do we live in London when actually we just want to be in the hills all the time? So that's kind of why we decided mm -hmm. to move up here permanently. Because you live in such a good place, good place um huh. like do you like do you like the city life like you know do you like the comfort that city offers or do you like the peace that um you know like countryside offers definitely the latter i i love the peace of the countryside i th i mean you know we lived in a city for 15 years my husband and i and i could do it but i didn't i didn't want a lot of what the city offered enough to want to, to to make me want to stay um so uh, whereas it's interesting a lot of my friends are the exact opposite and they just say to me oh, i'd be so bored um mm -hmm. so you know each to their own i think it, it's one of those things isn't it yeah um because i also live in a city like mm -hmm. in little concrete jungle yeah. you know yeah and i'm i'm like very anti-city i'm like fuck cities <laughs> yeah because right now like things in 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 my city like have gone like really crazy mm -hmm. in terms of access like have you heard of a concept called as 10 minute cities uh, no i haven't so 10 minute cities is like a moment or a decision by uh, united nations where they said we are going to build cities where each an individual citizen will have access to healthcare, education, and just luxury within 10 minutes of their reach. Makes sense. Yeah. So that's what that's like Bangalore is one of those cities. Yeah, it's a 10 minute city. And people have become really freaking lazy out here. Um, um, you know, because we have these mobile apps where you could order anything, right? Like groceries, um, diapers to iPhones to gold and jewelry and everything and it will be delivered within 10 minutes mm. on your doorstep 
Yeah, well, so... do you know, I used to benefit from that in London and you really realise it when you're out in the middle of nowhere and it's like, there is no mm -hmm. way of just getting something in 10 minutes or even in a day, you know, you our, our nearest yeah. place that we can get proper stuff is, I don't know, an hour, an hour and a half's drive away. So you kind of have to plan to go there and get whatever you need mm -hmm. and get back again. So it is a very different yeah. world. Uh, and I... I I do sometimes miss that. I do remember when we were packing up our house in London <laughs> and we didn't have enough mm -hmm. um, packing tape. We, we don't, you know, you just run mm -hmm. out of packing tape when you're putting all your stuff in your boxes. And we literally got some delivered in about half an hour. I've never done that before and mm -hmm. I will probably never do it again now, but I did it once and this tape just arrived miraculously at our doorstep. <laughs> so there you go. Yeah. But I also feel like that is making people lazy. Um but what i feel is like if, if if for example the lifestyle that you are living in like you need to be far more resourceful than folks in cities right because if you forgot something you just deal with it you just say fuck it you know i'm not, I'm not going back you know yeah, yeah. <laughs> um whereas in city you know you just keep ordering you know to infinity yeah, it's definitely possible. And when you were talking about the was it ten minute cities, I mean, I think it's a, it's a brilliant idea in terms of access, and particularly for people who are less mobile and you know who need things to be nearby. It's like having a little little microcosm where you live, and then there's another mm -hmm. one next to you, and another one next to you. Um, but equally, you know, in terms of getting out and exploring more broadly, one of the things mm -hmm. I really enjoyed doing in London was just walking for miles. I, I would just go walking. Mm -hmm. I, I hardly used the tube. We had we had like the underground. Uh, it's not my yeah. favourite place in the world. And people would use it even if they were only going like two stops. And I would say to them, why don't, why don't you just walk? It's only like a mm -hmm. mile and a half or something. And people, people just didn't yeah. walk very much. So, yeah, I think there is definitely something about exercise as well. Um, Mm -hmm. which is quite important yeah and i also like tell a lot of my friends who who have like this habit of impulsive buying i'm like just move to a countryside <laughs> that's one way of dealing with it there might be another <laughs> way <laughs> yeah you know like if if you wanted uh, something that's expensive and stupid you could just order it and 10 minutes and here it is like just deal with it boom right but in countryside if you order it you would have to wait for two days three days four days five days and in, do, in that period, you might realize, okay, like, this is not something that I need. I just cancel the order altogether. Yeah, yeah. Well, all I can say is I now have to plan more when I want something delivered. It, it will be at least a week in most cases before something turns up. So I have to, I have to plan. Mm -hmm. But do you also think that it, the way, like, your lifestyle is just uh, structured, there is, you're more mindful of waste? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think that's I think that is a mindset to some extent. It it always shocks me that there's a statistic here in the UK that we throw away a third of our food as food waste, and I'm like, a third? How is that even possible? Like, I I just I just that's don't. just supermarkets. I it's madness when you think about it. I I do think that mm -hmm. you know the recent difficulties with cost of living have made people more aware, and and so and obviously that has been a very difficult thing for people to deal with. Maybe a side effect has been people being a little bit more careful. Um, yeah, I, I hate it whenever I have to throw food away. I, I, if I've just not planned right, I, it just makes me very upset. Um, so I try not to I try not to do that. And then obviously you've got all the other waste as well, all the other stuff 
stuff, stuff, stuff that we keep buying. And, and clearly that has to stop. Like the only way we'll get to a more sustainable future is if is if we just stop buying so much stuff. So it's going to be a, a good challenge for us to try and keep dealing with that. I think people think recycling can deal with everything and it and it just can't. Yeah, it just can't. Um, yes. And I also think like, because, you, you know, like city people, they are, they don't have like the, even, even the least access to soil or fruits or vegetables that are actual fruits and vegetables, mm. um, not the cosmetic ones. And I saw a, a, a documentary where they were throwing away like misshaped carrots and, yeah. um, you know, bananas. I was like, yeah, you're fucking crazy. Like you're lost it now. Um, because you know, whatever shape you eat of, of the particular fruit, you know, it's going to go to, go to the stomach and, you know, yeah. like it's going to be just get digested. It's not like your body is like, you know, this banana is like half a centimeter curved more. I don't want it. Like the body does not do that. And well, all of, this comes, all of this comes back to what's really important in life, doesn't it? And I think um, we have a habit of yeah. maybe focusing on the wrong things, I think. And one of the mm-hmm. tricks in life is like coming back to yourself every now and again. What really matters? Does this really matter? Do I really mm-hmm. need this thing? Or is it just something yeah. that I'm trying to make myself feel better about something? Yeah. Actually, something completely different. Like this is one of the one of those things that I hate about sophistication, like sophisticated people. They're like, I want my vegetable in a cert- certain color and shape. I'm like, fuck you. Like, um, you know, all you need, all you need is three years of famine and you're back to eating potatoes and freaking dirt. Like, that's mm-hmm. how far away we are from, um, you know, like the collapse of this sophisticated people, um, you know, and people just don't realize yeah. it, especially in cities. Um, I saw a statistics that in United States, um, one out of every four containers of food is rejected on a regular basis. Mm. And because it is so expensive to bring it back, you know, like, let's say, uh, potato was exported from Scotland to United States, right? And, you know, one in four containers, that is 25% of the food was rejected. And it is so expensive to bring it back that they just dump it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we're going to have to learn what to do about that, because you're right, our life is way more precarious than we like to think Mm. it is, and becoming more so. And I I do think understanding of that is beginning to increase. But I think people can feel a bit hopeless. And then they're like, well, it doesn't make any difference what I do. Everything is stuffed anyway. And we, you know, we have to find a way past that a way to go right how how do we make the very best of this situation and how do we how do we use our resources wisely and uh, make sure everyone is looked after etc etc it's mm-hmm. our big challenge I yeah think. i i don't know where i read it but it it was an author who wrote that um you see so sophisticated become become barbarians at the first sign of trouble yeah. like um the biggest example covid you know yeah you know when when people are tested that is when you know everything gets hard and you can see more different characteristics coming out and it's one of the reasons i care so much about healing whatever it is that has made life difficult for someone if you don't heal from something 
it's going to come out mm. in different ways and it's going to come out in protection mechanisms and um, all sorts of different things, which are not great for the individual and they're not great generally. And it would be far better if we, you know, explored these things and, as I say, come back to an understanding of what really matters in life and, and the stuff mm. that we can just actually look at and say, you know what, that is that is not important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Of course, because that's like kind of because if, if people don't look at their troubles and just say everything is fine, you know, like there is only so much time before they realize, OK, it's not what I'm thinking about. Um, yeah, but it's a very complicated kind of thing to approach. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. But, you know, at the end of the day, um, Alexandra, I might like disagree with something or you might disagree with uh, the, with this point of me. I feel like healing positiveness um you know like working on yourself is for those people who have economic means to do it Whew, that's that's a a tough one i mean i i totally understand that when when someone is in more difficult life circumstances you know uh, then so much of one's brain is going to be focused on survival you know how 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 do i support myself how do i support my family how do i you know all those kind of things um i still like to believe there is room for dealing with whatever it is that is making that person's life difficult because if it, yeah so that's that's what i would love to do i mean that that is that is what i am hoping to achieve in my small way with my business is reaching as many people as i can with different ways of of healing i don't think i don't think it has to be this major project or necessarily for sometimes it does Some, so my my book about christmas that that was a major project that i did last year with christmas but sometimes it's just a few minutes here or there how you, how you know you employ a few tactics and um quite simple techniques that can change your outlook in a way that might actually blow your mind uh, but it has to be you know it has to be fairly consistent but it doesn't have to be like this major project you know I'm working on myself you know this is my this is I've got the privilege of being able to spend all my time working on myself I don't think it has to be like that so yeah that's that's part of what I hope to to help with with my work mm -hmm. got it and Alexandra, if people want to reach you, where can they reach you? So uh, probably the best place is have a, go to my website. So damselnotindistress.co.uk. You can sign up to my newsletter. I've got a couple of free gifts that you can get as well. Um, and that will get you kind of plugged into my world. Um, I'm also on Instagram uh, as well. So with similar names. So you can find me there too. Mm -hmm. Got it. And any like parting words to my audience? just um oh my parting words if if there is something in your soul that is nagging at you there's a reason why it's nagging at you and find a way to explore it get some help if you, if you want it and need it i think ignoring it is not the best way to go actually finding a way to shine a light on that thing that is gnawing at you is definitely the way that you you know you can make it to the other side and be happier and more fulfilled Got it. Um, and thank you, Alexandra, very much for taking your time and being on the show. It was great. Um, I tried to make you controversial, but unfortunately, I failed <laughs> um, to make you controversial. <laughs> um, yeah.
and uh, to my audience thank you very much guys this is the end of the episode and yeah uh, alexandra's website will be in the link description just go there and check her website out and if possible just support her because her instagram account is a bit low so we need to recharge it um so let's take a shot at that too and until the next episode take care bye bye